Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 131. And if you want to listen to this one as well as previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a nice five-star rating and a review because five stars means you keep us happy and all that good stuff. So... We finally have, after a month and a half, we finally have Juventus games to talk about again. And while they might not be the most exciting games to talk about, Juventus won both of them. And that's the good thing. So we're not going to actually end the podcast on that note because you know, we, we could, but we won't. <laughs> we will give you more content than that. So let me bring in here Samuel Pressy. Hello, Sam. It just feels so normal and so strange at the same time. Like, you know, you're writing all, you know, we're writing, we're, we're doing our, our normal game coverage again. And I'm like, man, it's been a while since I've done yes. this. Yes, it had been a while since I had woken up that early here on the West Coast for a game and updated a starting lineup thread. Yeah, it had been a little while. As much as I enjoyed sleeping in on Saturdays and Sundays again, yes, it was it was nice to have Juventus. I took too long getting the Cremonese recap out and uh, done, and I ended up going to work with about, on about three hours of sleep the next day. Shame. Yeah. Shame. We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, good evening, guys. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while since we had UV games, and you know, obviously now we have two to talk about, but it's also been a while since things have been so good for the club, so uh, right. on the pitch, of course. So, yeah, wow. Uh, I mean, I can't, obviously, I don't remember exactly what we talked about, like, you know, a year ago or so from now. Hell, I can't remember two weeks ago, Chucks. Yeah, 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 same, yeah. Yeah, the older you get, the older you get. <laughs> but, um, yeah, short-term memory, which always reminds me of that movie Memento, when he's like, um, I have a condition, or my short-term <laughs> memory. You know, it was a great movie, by the way. Um, Highly recommend it. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that a year ago, we were not in such a good position no. uh, on the pitch as we are now. So, no. yeah, wow. It's uh, just, yeah, extraordinary. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, uh, keep, keep them coming, keep them coming. Well, we, we don't have any Sergio this week because he is hanging out with uh, the legions of quarter zips in Las Vegas at the uh, <laughs> computer and electronics show. So, uh, Chucks, what is your takeaway? Speaking of things we haven't done in a while, what is your uh, takeaway from the week that was, seeing as we have actual Juventus games to talk about again? Yeah, yeah. Well, my takeaway is that uh, Sergio is a lucky guy uh, getting uh-huh. to hang out at, uh, <laughs> with all the tech bros in, uh, in Vegas. So I uh, hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Sergio um, but now uh, my uh, yeah my true takeaway about about the week that was with Juve is uh, well as a certain somewhat famous uh, Republican uh, politician just said uh, a few days ago it's not about how you start it's about how you finish and uh, well Juve really has uh, shown Ooh. that it's really uh, how you finish now, games now, eh? there's a whole half of the season ago Chucks you yeah you, you, Chucks, you just you, you you just invoke <laughs> the wrath of the whatever from high atop the thing <laughs> <laughs> and now you're just like, come on now, come on, bud. Uh, I mean, you know, I just wanted to, you know, I'd like to pull uh, unlikely connections from uh, places you would not expect to uh, to Juventus. So there you go. Oh boy. Um, but I mean, hey, you know, we'll, if we'll you look at our last edit two... all this out. <laughs> yeah, we'll tell Couch. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I mean, you know, Juve <laughs> has started games poorly and uh, remarkably ended them on a high and in both games and against Cremonese and. Uh, Against Udinese, it was, yeah, I mean, it was struggling for much of the game. And again, it's, these are the types of games where I kind of expect just this type of struggle, you know, against the Cremonese, against the Monza, which hopefully will get our revenge against them uh, 
in I don't know when we're playing them again. But and against Udinese, you know, those are the types of games where you're just gonna get the you know Allegri type of play where it's gonna be boring. It's gonna be not a lot of attacking action. Although I think it was a little better at phases against um, Udinese, but you know, it's it's basically what you're gonna expect is the gritty goal. It's not a well, the second the one against Udinese was was quite a good, a nice little moment of uh, individual magic from. Uh, Paredes, the much maligned Leandro Paredes, and uh, Federico Chiesa, who's hopefully slowly, slowly getting back uh, to, you know, his full potential. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this is, again, the Juve of the good days of Allegri, which were just, you know, 100% defensively solid, and we're just going to steal a, a goal here and there, and sometimes they're pretty, sometimes they're not that pretty, and sometimes they're semi-fortunate as they were against Cremonense, which... Uh, you know, I know we talked about that on the Slack channel uh, about how much you know goalkeeper could have maybe maybe done a little better on that one, especially with the wall, of course, the wall he set up. But you know, Juve's somehow putting together the results that we need and eight games in a row victories. I mean, I don't know the last time. I mean, maybe was it probably was again in that year with the whole Sassuolo game, the you know the infamous uh, Sassuolo turnaround uh, game, which was uh, was it 15, 16? I don't know. I forget dates. Uh, Dates are so hard to keep track of, especially it was, years. Uh, 15, 16, yeah. It was, right? Yeah. I thought, yeah. I thought it was 15, 16. So, um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe we're on track to kind of keeping keeping that momentum going. But then also kind of as a uh, attached uh, takeaway to that one, you know, he's been rumored to possibly be leaving uh, the club this month. But, yeah, spare thought for uh, Weston McKinney. I mean, the sacrifice he's made for, you know, for Juve and playing as a right wing back uh, against Udinese, against are on the same side. I'm pretty sure as uh, Destiny Udoje. Uh, yes. I think. Yeah, pretty sure. Yeah, which I mean, he's one of the you know best. I mean, one of the better wing backs, and obviously he's been signed by Spurs and will be joining Spurs, uh, I guess, next season. Um, but you know, to be playing in a position that's really not your natural position at all. I mean, as a right wing back uh, against one of the definitely one of the better wingbacks of the league to hold your own in that battle. And just, you know, again, to make that kind of sacrifice for the team, I really, really appreciate that of McKenney. And I, uh, you know, I think that just shows that he's, uh, you know, just a mature player and just, you know, he's always been a good guy. He's not, you know, doesn't complain. He'll play whatever position you'll ask him to play, even though it's not his natural position. So, um, you know, definitely think he deserves a lot of appreciation for that. And just for, you know, putting the, the team above himself. All right, Samuel, what you got? Chuck's kind of provided me the perfect segue there because I'm trepidatious about things a little bit, regardless of these eight wins in a row. I mean, the eight wins in a row are good. Don't get me wrong, I'm happy. But out of those eight games, Juventus has only scored more than one goal three times. Max Allegri has yet to show any indication that he is going to stop throwing people into positions that they're not at their best at, like Weston McKennie. I mean, I get, get you know, with Juan Cuadrado injured, Matias DeShilio injured, I guess he didn't want to use Matias Sule on back-to-back games that close. But it just, there's something that's got me wondering. You know, I, I don't think that if we play the way we played against Cremonese and against Udinese on Friday, that we're going to be talking about uh, in the same happy, happy way. 
because I I just don't see I I don't see you holding together against a team like Napoli when you are not scoring goals when you are scoring goals in the eighty six in the eighty sixth and the ninety first minute against a team like against teams that you should still be handily beating you are still we're still seeing this team play down to its competition and that is something that can that's good that can come back to bite us and it did come back to bite us you, you remember we had a we had a similar run of form in the in october november last year that like that that unbeaten run that we had and then all of a sudden we got lit up a couple of times because we were riding a, a wave of luck that just wasn't going to be sustainable. And I'm a little worried that we're on the same track here because, and obviously Napoli is going to, going to be a, a major, major, it's going to answer a lot of questions, but until we see what goes on in that game on Friday, I'm throwing some salt over my shoulder here because I'm not sure if we play like this, if we're going to be doing okay. I'm going to add on to what you were just saying in your takeaway in a second here, Sam, but I, I just want to throw in my own takeaway since we don't have Sergio here this week and say, uh, do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I'm about to say, Couch, but holy <laughs> that assist by Federico Chiesa. That's just my <laughs> yeah. takeaway. That That's my takeaway. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> So so back back to what Sam was saying. I think some caution is, and as you're speaking, I was thinking of this, uh, some caution in terms of how Juventus is playing. Simply, I mean, obviously we love the, you know, we love eight straight wins. We love the fact that they've moved up now ahead of Milan into second place, even though they're tied on points. I'm just wondering how long this kind of ball is sustainable. You know, it's just, yeah. it, you, you just don't know how, especially knowing that there's, with the injury situation, there just isn't going to be that much squad rotation. Rotation, And that's with the players that are out now. Who knows what two weeks is and three weeks and four weeks is going to look like because, as we know, suddenly half your squad can be injured. I just don't know how long they can keep winning these kind of games where it's just, obviously, it's, you know, it's sitting in a low block, but it's a lot of, I mean, it it's tough to win like this week in and week out and yeah, like I said, I I love the fact that Juventus is winning again, and I love the fact that it's eight straight and it's eight straight clean sheets on top of that. But who this? I mean, I gotta imagine a few Juventus players at minimum woke up this morning as we're recording here on Sunday, and they're just like, "This was a tough week," <laughs> and, and it's not getting any easier. No, because and, you, and, and, and that's you got Napoli thing. on Friday, and then you've got the Copa on Thursday against Monza, which you know. Goodness knows how that's where that, you know, who's going to play in that game. But then you've got Atalanta on Sunday. Yeah. God bless Monza, by the way, helping out. And then, with the, and then yes. Monza, and then Monza again <laughs> the next week. <laughs> but, you know, you've got Napoli and, and Atalanta, two of the better attacking teams in this, in this league, even though Atala, Atalanta's fallen off a little bit, but, you know, we're, we're going to have to, to face off against two of the better attacks in the league right now in these next two, two, two league games. And whether or not you can hold like this for dear life, especially if you're going to another team stadium, that's the other thing that, especially in the Udinese game, I, I think I wrote this in my notes at one point about 15, 20 minutes in. It's like, you're doing this again in front of your own fans. And again, and, and in front of your fans that like, it looked to me that the Allianz was actually really damn full 
It was. It was sold out yesterday, which is not something that we have been seeing. Now, how? Who knows how? I don't know how much of that is the fans starting to get more excited about the team because of this winning streak, or also, you know, you do have. We'll talk about this a little later, but the the opportunity to say goodbye and in your own way to John Viali might have had a lot to do with the ticket sales there. Yeah, I I believe they announced the sellout before Viali had passed away. So okay. My timeline might be a little messed up there because the last few days have been rather hectic, but I believe the sold the, the sellout was announced before. So before okay, in that case. But yeah, I mean you're, these are fans that are suddenly getting excited to go out to the stadium and see the team again after, you know, we've talked about that at the beginning of the year. You know you, uh, what you had told the Maccabi guys on on their pod, and <laughs> who the hell wants to pay for this crap? <laughs> hell, yeah, exactly. And you're still dropping into a low block against your against a team that you shouldn't be that on paper you should be beating, and you should be beating them, you know, with relative ease. And and we, you know, you held a really good. I mean, for God's sakes, Daniele Rugani. Beto is one of the more underrated strikers in the league, I think. And Daniele Rugani had him in his pocket for the entire game. Like, that's how well that defense was playing. But you're not giving them things to work with. And Matteo Bonetti says this a lot when he does Juve games, and and I agree with him. So often, Allegri starts the match playing as if he's up Mm 1-0. Eventually, you're going to have to win a game with more than one goal. And we're just not seeing that. I mean... Were there some unlucky moments in in both games this week? Sure. I mean, Karnaseki made a couple of really good saves for Cremonese. Moise Kane was just really, he he was close to being one of my takeaway this week just because he had a really good game against Udinese. I thought he was in the, he is in the right spots so much. He's been doing so well in that, from that standpoint. He just has to get the finishing tighter. If he does that, he he might turn into the guy that we all thought we were going to see when he first came up when he was a teenager. But Juve's got to score these goals because eventually you're going to have to you're going to have to win a game by more than one. Right now, we just have not shown the ability to do that. I mean, it, in fairness, I look at the two games in the recent streak, uh, the two games against big time opposition so against Lazio and against Inter as much as it pains me to call Inter a, a big time <laughs> no they're still frauds don't worry they're still frauds <laughs> yeah, they are they are but you know at least there we had a 3-0 win and a 2-0 win uh, especially against Lazio we were you know attacking very positive attacking in an attacking sense uh, against Inter I mean the first half I remember we weren't I mean, they, we I they were better. <laughs> they, they were better uh, first half, but you know, second half then came out with a lot more, you know, impetus and just a lot more uh, uh, proactive play. I guess uh, would be the right way to say it. So, so that gives me some, I guess, optimism that okay, there's a Juve that plays against small teams, against Camelense, Udinese, uh, smaller teams, and there's a Juve that plays against. Lazio, Inter, and then coming up Friday uh, against Napoli. So, yeah, I mean, that that does give me some more optimism that we can kind of pull it out. Like, we can we can wake up against uh, bigger opposition and and play more proactive anyway and, and not play, like you said, uh, which I like. I kind of like that analogy that starts the game as if it's already 1-0 up. I think that, yeah, that's a good way of uh, describing it, actually. I think, yeah, they're... they're we're able to play a bit more proactive, but I don't know. Is it injuries? Is it just 
Is it Aleke just adapting to the opposition? And You've got you know, a really talented group out there, regardless of the injuries. I mean, we're still throwing out, you know, guys like Milik off the bench. And obviously you've got Chiesa coming off the bench now. This, even without Vlavic, without Pogba, this is a really talented squad. That was a talented squad that went out against Udinese. And, you know, for the first 20 minutes, they were not doing well. And, you know, for the entire game, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like you said this, Danny, in your post game. It wasn't like Silvestri was really being peppered with shots there. He wasn't exactly, you know, the, the most worried man in the league on Saturday. You've got to get the, you've just got to tighten up the attack. You've got to get things better. If you have that kind of a bad half against Inter, like we had against Inter against Napoli, the odds of you getting away with it shrink quite a bit. I mean, at least, you know, we've seen they're, they're beatable at least. And, uh, Napoli, Inter, I mean, ironically. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this goes back to something I've said multiple times in the past that, you know, Juve is often a team that kind of drops to the level of its opposition um, against, you know, smaller teams. And that's frustrating. That's not <laughs> the, and, that, and that's not the way that we used to be. And it's not the way yeah, that we used yeah, to be yeah. with Allegri. Like, there are some people that I've seen argue that that was more to do with Conte and that Allegri just kind of had the the tail end of that sort of inspiration from Conte. And then as the Conte players left, it it kind of ebbed away from even his late later teams of his first run. But like you're the manager. You're supposed to have these guys in the right headspace to play any team the same way. And, you know, like you said, we, this is a team that has has for years played down under multiple managers, yes, but you know, it's the last you know, over the last two years, uh, season and a half under Allegri, this team has played down to its competition enormously. And that's still on him. Ultimately, the buck stops there. Yeah, and I, I guess that's why it, it makes the Napoli game so much more interesting on top of the fact of what's going on in the table is that we just don't, I mean, we saw Juventus obviously have a strong half against Roma and then drop off. We've seen Juventus play good halves or good stretches against good teams. I mean, you know, we, we talk about the, the PS where we, we have talked about the second half against PSG in Paris, but I mean, again, how much did that have to do with PSG being two, two nothing up and kind of putting things in cruise control. But, you know, we, we've also seen Allegri come out with his team firing on all cylinders in big games. So is he going to play it that way? Or is he going to play it how he, how he did these first two games of, of 2023, where it's really just sit back, let the defense work and then try and hit somebody on the counter and try and scrape out a one, nothing or, or one goal win again. I mean, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to play it. And that's kind of the somewhat worrying thing is that, you know, with this team, it's like as great as the winning streak is this Napoli game has kind of ever since the streak has started, it's kind of always been the one we've circled as, okay, this is, this is kind of that, that measuring stick, or I think was it one of my favorite American football reporters. He always talks about like a GPS game to really kind of see where you're at. <laughs> and this is, this is to see where Juventus is at. And if this, you know, sudden rise up the table, these last eight games is, is legit or it's just like okay well you get your ass kicked by napoli you're back down the trailing by 10 points and you know bye bye scudetto
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you do manage to win, then all of a sudden you've got a lot of possibilities here. Because then you're down, then you're down four. And not only Napoli, but the entire rest of the league starts here in footsteps. Yeah. Especially you beat Napoli in in the Maradona. You know, even if or even if you draw them there, just to keep it, you know, it, it's you know, a draw would be a good result here, I yeah, think. Ba- basically any anything that involves averting disaster yeah I think would be okay. <laughs> it would yeah because if we do win this game then you really then then the scudetto talk can begin without being ironic about it because then you would have a, a a truly potentially you'd have a real shot at it because i because th- then you'd really i think you'd really hurt napoli psychologically and let's be real, in all of these title challenges that Napoli has had, what their, their biggest weakness has always been with their, you know, one square foot of real estate up here. You know, they, they have been the best coached team this year. They have been the best performing team this year. It all comes down to what, like you said, whether Max is going to take the brakes off and go for it in a big game, or if he's just going to try to hunker down and and do the same thing, which, you know, against a team like Napoli, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's only a matter of time. Well, so, and kind of going back to that, to discussion about like Juve being not attacking enough and, you know, not really showing enough uh, proactive play. I looked up the stats of the Inter game against Napoli, the, the 1-0 victory they had. And, you know, it is interesting. I was kind of reading very quickly through the, their match the match report there and i mean it does seem like inter kind of played you know the the kind of juve model here and they had one shot on target that was the goal and you know they just played counter-attacking football 37 percent ball possession um yeah they sat deep they soaked up the pressure and then just hit him on the counter-attack and yeah who knows i mean maybe i don't know maybe that is kind of the model to play against napoli it seemed to work against uh, Napoli here. I, I don't know if it was a one-off thing, or I mean, one-off in the sense that it is their first uh, loss uh, in the league. But um, yeah, who knows? I, I don't know. I'm I go back and forth kind of about what style of play to uh, to play against Napoli in this game because you know, also in this case, we're away from home, and that's yeah, like you said, that's a bit of a different you know different ball game there. Uh, interplayed at home uh, against Napoli, so you know maybe there's a yeah maybe there's a difference there. And that and that stadium is usually almost always the rowdiest when Juventus comes to town. Almost always. Oh yeah, yeah. There's something about that north-south uh, rivalry. That's, right. That's right. Don't you always get me going with the uh, line from The Sopranos from Furio, where he goes, "Hate the north." And he ironically, he ironically, you know, later in The Sopranos, he before he headed back to Italy for good, uh, he was he was spotted wearing a Napoli. Uh, warm-up jacket so there you go <laughs> yeah see where his his rooting interests are so i guess going off of what we <laughs> talked about with these two wins to to start 2023 is just the fact that uh and i mentioned him in my takeaway federico chiesa is back and he looks like he's back 
And obviously we don't know for sure when his first start is going to come. Obviously there are some rumblings that that could have came uh, this past weekend against Udinese, but boy, oh boy, he, in his cameos, I guess you can call him because he's not playing extended minutes at this point still, he is looking good. And I think that just, just the assist he had on Danilo's goal, controlling the ball from Paredes with his chest in the manner that he did. I think it was James Horncastle said it was a lot like one of his goals from the Euros. I'm blanking out on who, who was against, but... Um, Our, uh, uh, Austria. Yes, Austria, that's right. It was, Austria. It was the Austria goal. And then just to uh, f- control the ball with his chest and then cross it with the outside of his foot, all in one motion, basically. That was about as pre-injury Chiesa as pre-injury Chiesa can get, and Man, I don't know. I just, I don't, I, I guess I didn't expect him to look this, this fiery after coming back. And also the way that he found that space with that run too, like that was, that was a good run. He, he spotted the weak point in the defense and he just flip and hit it. And that was, and and he timed the run perfectly too, because he was dead level when, when Paredes released the ball, you know, the, our, any chance that Juve has of making noise as this season continues, uh, whether that be in the league or in the Europa League, is tied to Chiesa and the way that he can play. Is Gosh, he is just, we all knew he was good. And the way that he has come back in these sub-appearances, you know, he changed a lot of things in the Cremonese game. He really injected some life in there. And obviously the, the Udinese game as well. You know, it's it's good to have your best player. And apologies to Dusan Vlavic, but Federico Chiesa is your best player right now. Hands down, bar none. And to see him back, you know, to see w- when when Vlavic finally gets back on the pitch, to see the two of them ba- uh, playing together, uh, that'll be that could be really fun uh, if Allegri lets the hand break off. You know, when when your best player is on the field and doing what he can do best, you know, the one thing that I've, I, I was saying to him, I was watching the game with a friend. I had a friend over because I always like to have a, an extra pair of hands around when I'm watching a game now, just in case Julian's not napping. Um, <laughs> ah, dad life. And yeah. And I said to her, if, if he ever learned how to finish like his father, then he'd be the best player on the planet or yep. or like up there with Mbappe as one of the best players on the planet. So, yeah, it, it's just it's so good having him back again. And and here's to keeping him and, you know, just wait, waiting for him to build up that strength and really be that protagonist from the very beginning of the game. Yeah, and I think his uh, his assist against Udinese also showed that, you know, even though he's he had such a serious injury, an injury like that still doesn't affect your ability to see a game and to really understand, you know, understand space and just understand the right runs to make. And, you know, because that was just a very, I mean, obviously the, the, the touch, the chest taking it down on the chest then immediately assisting it to Danilo that you know it was a very physical show of, of skill there but it was really to me it was more of a, an intellectual goal just because of how like you said Sam how he saw that space made that run and um, yeah and then obviously you know chested it down and, and knew to immediately play it you know knew that he didn't really have the time to like okay chest it down all right let me look up all right let me take my time you know to know to immediately play that ball uh, across the face of goal it, it's also instinctual as well, isn't it? Because it's yeah, yeah. Because it was all just one fluid motion. I mean, you know, as you know, as we as we like to joke, you know, Chiesa sometimes looks as awkward as anybody out there, kind of like Giorgio Chiellini. 
But in that and on that assist, he just it was just you know to chest to foot pinpoint cross to Danilo at the back post, and it's all like I mean I'm sure he had an idea of what he wanted to do as he saw that ball going over the top of the defense and he was making the run. But man, sometimes just instincts take do- takes over, and I feel like that, especially you know how he hit the ball, that was kind of just almost in a way kind of freestyling it, you know? Yeah, it was a little bit of a sandlot aspect to it, which. Is refreshing every once in a while to see because you know you got to have fun when you're playing the when you when you're you know when you're an athlete you know professional athletes they're, they're, there's so much pressure on them there's so much money involved nowadays that at the end of the day you you gotta have fun out there yeah. <laughs> I mean you're playing you're, you're playing soccer you're playing whatever you're playing it, it, it you should it should be fun I think just kind of going off of what what you said Chucks you know I've in my previous job I've I've interviewed people who have had the same kind of energy injury, excuse me, as, uh, as Kiesa has. And a lot of what they say is that, you know, I'm after basically watching a game for a year out, as you rehab your injury, you become smarter because you're looking at the game in a different kind of way. And I think Kiesa knowing kind of how he operates, where he seems like a very, he's a very smart player on top of being a very good player in a way, this can only help him because he's seen different things and obviously with him you know he's operating on the left he's operating on the right he's now kind of seen how things look from the outside and now he's obviously going to try and apply them back to now being on the field which i mean god knows how good that can make him because he's already he was already pretty good to begin with and also for him being injured uh you know for the what six seven eight months or so that he was injured i think it was Perhaps one of the positive side effects of his injury was that we did become, we learned to become less dependent on him. Obviously, you know, Sam, as you said, I mean, he's really our best player. I mean, especially before the injury is the most impactful player uh, for the team. And we just were forced to learn how to not fully depend on him. And, you know, it worked sometimes and uh, worked a little less uh, (laughs) other times. but, uh, But at least recently, I mean, coinciding with his return. At least recently, you know, it's now he's kind of a super sub, which is, well, hell, that's a great super sub to have uh, until he's truly able to play the full 90 minutes um, from the start uh, of the game. Um, And and I guess the question also is going forward is, I mean, obviously, you know, is he going to play right wing back? Is he going to play segunda punta? Is he going to just play his actual, you know, uh, wing, a wing forward position? Given that we're playing a three-five-two right now, it's uh, it's a little tricky to see where he's going to play. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are we going to switch to a three-four-three or four-three-three? Um, so that's going to be a little bit of a yeah, a bit of a question for me. I guess it's a luxurious problem to have, given that you know eight wins, uh, eight straight wins, and now you're, you're trying to figure out how to get your best player back integrated into the team. But still, it is a it's going to be a bit of a question. Of course, with Di Maria, of course, um, playing as well. So, yeah, do you play with two out-and-out wingers and then a center forward? Um, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a likely problem to solve, I guess. Mm-hmm. Can I say one thing before, if we're about to move on? Yes, go um, for it. How nice is it to be seeing some free-kick goals again? <laughs> ah. You know, it's funny. That, that I, was... I, that was so, that's so fun. It's and, and and the two stats that I that I learned af, in the days after... Milik hit that free kick. Uh, first off, Arkadius Milik is actually apparently the active leader in 
free kick conversion percentage. He has hit four of 12 as a Serie A player in his career. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it when I read that. (laughs) (laughs) And also, Juventus is one of only two teams in the entirety of the Big Five to have had three goals from direct free kicks so far this year. The other one is actually very random. It's Lorient. (laughs) Um, Uh, But, you know, just to, to have that, as a, as something to 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 hope for, you know, you know, there was there was a point, you know, when when certain people were taking those free kicks, where you know, as as we once very humorously started that that little meme that 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 little local blog meme, you know, you, there there would be a free kick and you just go, ha, huh, wall time. Yep. <laughs> and and now you know, with with the way that Vlaovic hit those two free kicks early in the year. Milik is, you know, I, I didn't realize just how good he was with those. It's becoming more and more of a of a of a situation where I'm looking at this going, all right, this is a real goal. This is a real goal scoring opportunity now because, you know, you actually have the guys that are pulling the technique to do it as opposed to, you know, trying to hit the ball through a solid human being and, mm-hmm. and expecting it to go into the goal. Yeah, it it's funny because when Milik was stepping up to that free kick, I was just like, "Is he really a free kick kind of kind of dude?" And I mean, obviously, you know, I didn't know that stat uh, that you just mentioned, Sam, until like Chuck's. I read it, and it was just like, "Yeah, Juventus doesn't necessarily have the big name free kick taker like they used to when it was like a Pjanic or a Dybala, but it's like there are at least some solid choices now rather than we're just going to default to one guy." And in that certain guy's time as the dominant free kick taker, you could pretty much predict the outcome and it wasn't a goal. So yeah, I, I I mean, it's just, it's interesting to go where it's like, okay, yeah. I don't think we really knew that Vlaovic was maybe a free kick taker until he scored those two because he hadn't taken many at at Juve so far, obviously same with Milik. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a different situation now. And at, and Vlavic at Fiorentina was also playing in the same team as Cristiano Biraghi, and Biraghi yeah, is so exactly. good at those that he's not going to be taking them unless Biraghi's off the field. So it, and it's funny because it's funny too because I was I was playing FIFA the other day, and I had replaced Vlavic with Milik late in the game, and I got a direct free kick, and Milik was the one lining up for it, so I hit change taker to scroll through and i suddenly began realizing that milik was at like an almost was like at a seven they rated him at like a 79 and there was nobody else on the field that was better and i was like oh okay <laughs> and then a couple of days later he pulls that out of the bag which was a, to say what you want about karnaseki and and the mistakes that he made on that kick both with setting up the wall and and when he when the shot was coming in because i mean he he beat that ball to the spot i don't understand how he didn't stop it to be honest with you but the execution that Milik pulled on that free kick was perfect that's really the only way you're going to hit that that free kick and and put it in and it was really damn good and kudos to him and yeah it's just it's nice to it's nice for a direct free kick to be viable again yeah when i was looking at that the free kick takers or at Milik uh walking up to the free kick to take it like you danny i thought the same thing i, I had slightly stronger words uh i used i uh thought, no oh, you yeah. no 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 you're <laughs> I thought, oh, for god's sake man oh the days of having pianic and dibala the alter ego comes out when he watches games but he keeps it in mind <laughs> on the podcast yeah yeah i'm a little more uh, diplomatic in public <laughs> um but 
but yeah, no, I, I thought the same thing. And then, well, there you go. I was proven wrong, just immediately proven incorrect there. And uh, I thought, well, that's uh, I'll, uh, I'll be proven incorrect there and uh, I'll, I'll take that. So, yeah, it was nice to see you. Nice to see just surprisingly, you know, good free kick takers. Uh, like I said, Vladovich, Milik, and uh, yeah, having that in our, uh, having that as, as our option. All right. Shall we, uh, before we talk Viali, shall we get to some Twitter questions, gentlemen? Yes, let's do that. All right. First time in a while. Finally got the guy who posts about Twitter questions in order. So, Finally. hooray, hooray. We wrangled him in. Uh, going off of what we've talked about uh, for a good portion of this episode, first question here from at Sing Second 95. How does Juve generate offense? Is it just a matter of waiting for Pogba, Vlavic, Chiesa, Di Maria to get fully fit, change uh, of formation or tactics, or just keep aiming for one nothing wins? What happens when they go a goal down at some point? That last bit is is the real question, I guess. Yes. The to me, it, it it has to come down to the attitude of the coach, because I I don't think that the team would be so ex- would be so defensive in the extreme without it being Allegri's directions. And he just he keeps that handbrake on. He keeps it, you know. He keeps things safe. He doesn't go, you know. He he won't go for the jugular. Early, you know, he won't go out early and say, we're going to take care of you now. And then we're going to just, you know, and, and and make it easier for us the rest of the way. It's it's a philosophy thing, I think. And at the end of the day, he's he's you know, you've when you've got the the players like that, where he just listed off the questioner just listed off that those are the kinds of guys that you can use. But he doesn't do it. You know, he's even got guys now that he can really I mean, you saw the. You know, some of the passing moves that Di Maria and Miretti uh, pulled off together uh, yesterday. Fajoli is a is 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 really, really good. You need to let them you need to let them go. Let these guys play. Let these guys go after the ball and go at, and go after the goal and go after the game and do it early and then make things easier for yourself instead of doing this all the time. Because like because like the questioner said, and, you know, what happens when you go down one nil? Uh. Yeah, I mean, that's always the million dollar question with uh, counterattacking teams. You know, what do they do when their plan A kind of, you know, ends, I guess? <laughs> um, or indeed, when they go, go a goal down, do they know how to attack? Do they, you know, have a plan B? Like you said, Sam, I mean, it's kind of in Allegri's blood to just kind of play kind of holding back or play kind of with, you know, on your heels kind of. Yeah, conservatively. Yeah, but he's done it. But he's also shown us that we can that he has the the ability and the brain to do it. Like you know, the five star when that popped out, like none of us were expecting that, and it just it it ran roughshod over the entire league, and then he just stopped doing it. And you know, I and I you know I've said before on the podcast, I think that it was partly mostly a lot of the way because the Cardiff final just spooked the crap out of him and that, that he started getting way too conservative for his own good, unless he absolutely had to go after a game. And it's, it's led us to where we are now where he, he is perfectly fine with holding out as best he can and, and not letting these players. And that is, I think why this is not something that we touched on a lot during the world cup, but you know, that's why the the rumors about Dusan Vlaovic, you know, potentially getting agitated and and, you know, some teams in the Premier League maybe kind of circling to see if anything might might drop off the the wagon. 
why those are starting is because he doesn't use the players that he's got to their full attacking potential because he is that, you know, he is that conservative about it. And eventually we're going to have to score some damn goals. So hopefully that change ends up happening at some point. I mean, I'm not counting on it, but, you know. Yeah, and I mean, to answer the original question, I, I mean, I really don't know. Uh, like you said, <laughs> I mean, frankly, I just don't know. We're clearly capable of playing attacking football. Like you said, uh, Sam, uh, we've done it in the past and just look, you know, look at how we scored three goals against Lazio, uh, two goals against Inter. You know, we're clearly capable of doing it. But uh, yeah, what, what happens when you go a goal down? I, I just don't know. I, I would just hope that, Allegri has that plan B and just turns it on. Uh, and I also think to an extent when you, once everybody's fit, you know, Vlaovic, uh, Chiesa 100%, uh, Pogba, et cetera, and Di Maria, who's, I don't know, possibly injured again. Once they're all fit, it's almost like... Allegri says that was just a cramp, apparently. Oh, okay. I, I hope. I, yeah. yeah, I, I hope, hope can, can we bank on them being healthy all at the same time, knowing how this this season has gone? I mean, at this, at this point, point I'm not. <laughs> how how the last two seasons have gone? I'm not necessarily banking on Paul Pogba playing this year. Oh, yeah. But. Oh, that was the pessimist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or the agent of chaos. Well, no, that's Sergio. No, the agent yeah, of chaos is Sergio. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, I sort of keep up. Sometimes not here to defend um, himself. Yes, yeah. indeed, indeed. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I would hope that with playing with such talented attacking players that you almost can't not play attacking football i i mean you would hope so but yeah i, I really don't know i yeah i i don't know all right next question here from r manhas nine has allegri's recent run of success forgiven that terrible start to the Serie A season and getting bounced in the champions league group stage are we still on that allegri out train I'm on the Allegri, the doors are open behind Allegri and he's holding the walls and I'm ready to kick him out if necessary. <laughs> that's a long that's hashtag. A, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, was, uh, that's a long team name. That's, yeah, hashtag. right. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but that is the, I think that he's, you know, obviously when you win eight straight games, there's there's some level of 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 goodness coming out of that. But at the same time, like, you know, like we've said, like we said at the very beginning, We've won five out of those eight games by a one-nil score. We are are playing down to the competition still, and it it it's not necessarily inspire. You know, we've won eight straight games, but it's not necessarily inspiring and a tremendous amount of confidence. So, or or at least not the amount that you would expect an eight-game winning streak for a, at a club like Juventus to inspire. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that. Right now, you can say all is forgiven. You got to wait until the end of the year. You got to see how things go out. If we were to get bounced early in the Europa League, like that would just be, you know, all over again. You know, what the heck are you doing? So, yeah, I, I think that there's still a very much a wait and see approach in this in, uh, involved in this because I still see things that Allegri is doing that I just don't like. Yeah, I mean, remarkably, we're still in the title race. So uh, that's. I guess that's uh, quite a surprise, but yeah, I mean, I'm more on the level of uh, pragmatism of realizing that, well, we probably can't afford to, to fire him. Uh, we, I don't think we were ever able to afford to fire him, but it was just that 
before this eight game winning streak. Things were just so bad that it was, I mean, at that point, the cost of keeping him on was seemingly to me greater than the cost of firing him. Uh, now, I mean, you know, he's sort of redeemed himself. So, yeah, I, he's won eight games in a row. I mean, of course, I can't be all like, well, yeah, I mean, I still hate him. Uh, I still, I'm a little hesitant about him, but I mean, I can't deny that <laughs> clearly things are going well right now. But yeah, I just think right now, again, we we were never really able to afford to fire him. Now, I think the cost of firing him, well, given our form, would probably not really justify like you know actually doing it he's he's bought he's bought until the end of the season certainly I think. yeah 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 i think that's but yeah i, I i'm no longer on the fire him now train. yeah 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 i think but that's yeah if that sam sam has moves from fire him now to fire him later <laughs> fire him later yeah um i mean there's also there's still some people wondering whether or not he might resign at the end of the year after the you know, depending on whether on what the the full implications of the financial stuff is, you you also have to wonder if that might be a possibility. Yeah, I I think so because from what I remember of the reporting, and obviously it's been a lot of reporting since since the beginning of everything started. That part of the reason why he stayed on was because they at least wanted somebody to kind of keep a hold of the ship, and mm-hmm. especially since all of the. F- and he wanted to go anyway. And yeah, and all the board of directors were gone that, you know, Allegri could be one of the few people who could hold on to the sporting side of things. Yeah. Which, yeah. knowing how the first few months of the season went, I can't believe we're saying that. <laughs> yeah, no, right. yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, nothing's too crazy anymore. That's right. Both in all football right. and in life. That's right. <laughs> La- last question here from at Craymaster HS. With the dust settled, is Danilo the best business that Fabio Paratici did at the club, taking money and player contribution into account? I mean, did anyone expect Danilo to be the leader of this team and boss around like Il Muro Barzagli on the right side of a three-man defense? No. <laughs> I mean, it, it I kind of... It, it, I, I certainly didn't. Is it Paratici's best transfer business with Juventus? You kind of almost have to say yes by default, don't you? Because you know, Delict, you know, Delict is gone. Kulusevsky is gone. Ramsey Ronaldo's was gone. A, Ronaldo's yeah. gone. Ramsey <laughs> was an utter failure. Rabio has had, you know, good. Sport. I mean, Delito is going on three three seasons now of being very good. Yeah, yeah. being very good. You know, turning into turning into the kind of leader that has straight up jumped the captain's hierarchy. Because remember, you know, there was a couple of first or second time he wore the band. He was wearing the band while Juan Cuadrado was on the field. And yes. that was a surprise to me. Um, and obviously it might, that might've had something to do with Cuadrado's contract uh, situation as well. But Cuadrado was always the vice captain, is the vice captain by seniority. And he's passed, he seems to have passed him. And he's also seems to have passed Chesney, who I believe is also a senior to him. And if you go by tenure and the mighty Rugani and well, Rugani's a little, <laughs> uh, hey, hey, hey. Rugani. Try, trying to fill the Sergio role on that one there, Chuck, hey, Friend, friendly <laughs> captain Rugani. Uh, That's right. Fan favorite captain. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he has, it's reminds me a little bit of, uh, of Mario Mandzukic, whereas, you know, not a lot of people 
expected Mandzukic to to be the the standard bearer for the club that he turned out to be. But he when he came and you know he's he he kind of had a reputation for misbehaving at least at at Atletico. I think that was because he didn't get along with Simeone. But you know and you know he'd had a he he got to Juve. He experienced Juve. He bought into Juve, and he believed. And he became Juve. He became Juventino himself. And that is similar to what Danilo has done. You know, I I think that he 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 has this. I I truly think he has a deep love of the club now, and and understands what Juventinita is supposed to be, and is is doing his best to to emulate that on the field and off. And I, he's he's really become a leader. And and I think that, you know, he's going to be indispensable to this team for a couple of years as, as one of the guys that really is going to be be shepherding this team and leading this team moving forward. And just to jump in before you, Chucks, a lot like Mandzukic did, he played his way into this kind of role. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously Mandzukic was a very good player before he arrived, but like you were saying, I don't think anybody knew he loved the shirt as much as he did until he started busting his ass in the same way that Danilo has the last few years to really, you know, yeah. earn his stripes and earn earn the respect of a whole lot of people who probably didn't think much of him when he first arrived. I know I didn't. Yeah, I just, I mean, I thought I remember when that when when the deal went through, I went, hey, maybe we've got a fullback that'll be able to defend a little bit more. Like that was my, you know, I was always on that. I've always been on that side of the, you know, fullback debate. I'd prefer a fullback that can defend first and then add the the bonus of attacking ability later. And Cancelo is very clearly not that. And now he's now he's Juve's best center back, not named Bremer. Right. <laughs> yeah. And but he was, you know, he played very well when he was playing on the right as when he was playing yeah. as a as yeah. a right back as well. But you know, just and and this was. And at the end, it was Pirlo that started playing him in this center back role, and and he's even excelled at center back when we've played him, when he's had to play at the center back in a four man line. Yeah. So you know he's just ultimately versatile. He's he's a great leader at the back, and and I think just you know he is the the standard you know the standard bearer for Juventinita right now, and that you know when you combine that with the the attitude that guys like Miretti and Fagioli who are coming up through the academy are going to have. And you can already tell just the palpable love they have for the fact that they are playing in a Juventus shirt right now. That could that could kind of bring the mentality of this club back to where we all kind of was hoping it would go, it would stay when, you know, you know, when we're back to the places where Conte had brought it before Conte left and and where it was during the the real height of the streak. I, I think that could happen. Yeah, the thing I appreciate about the Danilo Joao Cancelo um, transfer more than anything is that it moved two players that were not good fits for their teams, for, for their respective teams at the time, two teams that were that just fit them perfectly. Like Joao Cancelo just fits City, I mean, perfectly, really, for that whole Pep Guardiola, everybody plays everywhere um, style of play. And, you know, Danilo coming to uh, Juventus and just that, you're a defender, you're a fullback. Your number one thing is to be a defender and a fullback. It just moved two players that were just better fits for their new teams. And I I think that just worked perfectly for everyone. Per- worked well for City, worked well for Juve, and for both players. So that's 
Um, it's just nice to see, you know, players that just, you know, are in the environment where that maximizes their their skills, that brings the best out of their their skills. That was, I mean, just one last thought on that deal. I mean, that was, I mean, in hindsight, you know, that had to take sucking up some pride after you spend that much money on Joe Cancelo after one year to be like, hey, we need to. <laughs> he's not a fit anymore. Yeah, you know, we thought he was, but we after those first couple months of Joe Cancelo in the Juventus jersey, he was, uh, he was very much offense only. <laughs> yeah, and you remember yeah. that. And you remember, but right before he got sold, they, he was training with the club before the friendlies, and just putting in zero effort. There was a there was a video of him doing like a ladder drill or something, and he just like like walked through it. And I was like, that that's the face of a guy that that does not want to be here. No, we'll thank you all for your Twitter questions in a, in a second here. We we as we alluded to, we wanted to wrap things up on this week's episode with a. A few quick thoughts on on Gianluca Vialli, the uh, the former Juventus captain and and Italy striker that passed away on the sixth of January, and obviously, uh, as we said it a few weeks ago, uh, after the passing of Grant Wall, you really get the sense of a per- who a person is with what people say about them after they pass on, and I mean the outpouring of support uh, for Vialli has been just absolutely. I mean it it has been pretty emotional just reading what people have said about him and i mean when you've got alessandro del piero basically going you know all the love to my captain knowing that for for us del piero is our captain is my captain that i mean that says it all right there and obviously you know there have been some fantastic things written about him in the last few days since his passing i know i mentioned him already on this podcast once before so in chuck's Tim Vickery version, I will say. Uh, again, drink since I'm mentioning James Horncastle, but something that he wrote about Viali and Roberto Mancini during the Euros was something that went around Twitter again in the last few days. Um, I know uh, for The Guardian, Nikki Bandini wrote something that was very touching about Viali. And just, you know, before, I mean, we talked about the UNESA game, those four or five minutes. Uh, with the minute of silence and then uh, Gianluca Pasotto, who himself has obviously had some some health issues uh, in the past, you know, reading that note aloud. I mean, I can't imagine how tough that was for him to do that, knowing how fresh his good friend's passing was. But yeah, that I mean, Juventus, they frustrate us in a lot of ways, but those kind of things they get right. And that was as emotional as it was to watch. That was a pretty cool thing that they did. And I'm sure. I mean, Viali's family had to be, you know, so thankful for Pasoto, his words, uh, what the players said about him before. I don't know if Federico Chiesa has some very nice things to say, knowing that he he got to know Viali during the, the Euros and the build-up to the Euros and just, just everything. I mean... And goodness knows, maybe through his father as well. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, it was obviously an emotional time for a lot of people, but I mean, man, Viali, he seemed like just such a cool dude. And yeah, I, I don't... I'm. I'm rambling at this point, but yeah, he's, you know, we, we obviously, you know, condolences to his family and everything, but yeah, that it, it's a big loss for Italian football for sure. It is. And, you know, we've had a couple of them the last couple of weeks. Yes. Obviously you've had Sinisa Mihailovic as well, who, you know, has, has become as Italian as, as a, as a foreign born player and manager can become. And, but, and with Viali, it, it just, you know, Apart from just his his utter greatness as a player, I was watching 
the tribute video. As I was saying, I was watching that that uh, I was watching the game yesterday with a friend, and and I was watching the the tribute video and Viali scoring all sorts of goals. And my friend looked at me and she just said, "Was was football just more fun back then?" <laughs> and like and like part and part of it, I just think is because Viali Viali he had this. Especially when he was running, he had this goof, that goofy kind of run where his arms are going all over the place. But, you know, you know, he was and, you know, he, had, he was the king of the bicycle kick. He had so many of those bikes uh, that, you know, you could fill a, a YouTube video with just those. And, and, you know, the way that he would deke a keeper if he was one on one with the keeper and just like it, it, it was. And like you said, Danny, the the way that people have just the the the, the support has just poured out. And and the love that has poured out of the people that knew him there. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini was interviewed, I think, on Sky. Yes. And what he said had the 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 presenter interviewing him over satellite, sobbing at the end of the, you know at at the anchor desk. Like that is the way that he has affected so many people. You know, when you when you can affect people in that way. Then you have lived a very rich and 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 very good life, and you know the the thing I think that that stick stuck with me more than any was I think it was Corriere dello Sport uh, had the picture of him uh, had the picture of him and uh, and Mancini hugging after the Euros, and he's just ugly crying into Mancini's yes. shoulder after we won the Euros. It's just like that, you know. He had that passion. He really did, you know, spur that team, and he he is a a great great loss. I mean, just the fact that he lived for five years with pancreatic cancer. What does that say about him as yeah. a as, as a fighter and as a, as a you know? Because usually you hear the words pancreatic cancer, you're gone within the year. And he he spent five years. He he lived for five years with a pancreatic cancer diagnosis. That just it it it, it that. That alone can can tell you so much about a man, about the man, and um, it's a great loss to Italian football. It's a great loss to to football in general. Another another really uh, wonderful tribute to him that I saw was Graham Sunis, who who said, and he kept on saying, you know, I, I who played with him at Chelsea, and he said, I, I don't want to talk. Or was it at Chelsea, or did he come into the to Italy? I forget. But he was he was teammates with him and. And he kept on saying in the the video that I, he posted a video onto his own social media after he done look a pass. And he said, I don't really want to talk about him as the footballer. I want to talk about him as the man, because that's that's the way I remember him as a, as as just as just a wonderful man, as a wonderful human being. And and that says everything. So I, I hope he I, I hope whatever meets him is is justly matches what he has given everybody else on on earth yeah i don't have too much to add to that that was i mean that was a way better tribute than i could ever uh, <laughs> manage so uh yeah i don't have too much to add um i guess one thing i'll say uh it reminds me from uh, one of my favorite books uh the rose character uh by david brooks i think is his name um a new york times columnist and i think he's a lecturer i think think but i'm sure he's a colonist um colonist and a writer he's a political col he's a political columnist yeah political, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and he talked in this book about again this book uh the road to character about uh eulogy virtues versus uh resume virtues and 
um, about how, you know, I mean, kind of as the name suggests, resume virtues are, you know, okay, what are you on paper? You know, what do you like achieve on paper? You know, you went to this school, you went to that school, you had this job and that job and so on. But then eulogy virtues are more about, you know, okay, what are the virtues that people talk about you, um, you know, when you pass away? Um, and I think you just see from Gianluca Vialli and how people at Chelsea uh, spoke about him uh, at his passing and, you know, obviously Juve and um, just all his former, his former teammates and coaches and yeah, just how they talk about him. And I think that shows that, you know, he really had eulogy virtues. Uh, yeah, very well lived them throughout his life so and you know was, Viali was obviously before my time so i can't i mean i don't I, before I, all of our times see. really yeah 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 i mean we were um, all boys when he was playing yeah yeah but i mean i got into football a little later as well during my life so even that, and so to that but yeah but yeah i think uh, you know again just from reading it he sounds like he was uh yeah just a great guy didn't didn't the mayor of cremona say that he that they were already considering renaming the zini the stadio yes. zini after him yes yeah Yes, and I think just kind of one closing note: the uh, the picture of Viali holding up the Champions League trophy. Uh, yeah, that's that's something obviously that has been published a lot the last few days. But I mean, it's it's going to stick in all of our minds, no matter how many, if ever, Juventus wins the, the Champions League again in our lifetime. Hopefully, <laughs> we hope. Uh, and and as I and as I posted on Twitter when I first learned of Viali's passing, uh, cancer. By the way, cancer. Um, <laughs> so on that note, uh, we'll wrap things up for this week. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for the Twitter questions again. Uh, if you want to send them to us, feel free to do so at Juventus nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there as well as on Facebook and Instagram. I know Sergio has been active, even though he's been hanging out with the robots in Las Vegas <laughs> at CES. Follow us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple podcasts, Spotify, or Google podcasts. If you do listen on Apple podcasts. Feel free to leave us a nice rating, a review. I know we've gotten uh, some nice uh, reviews the last few weeks and months, so we always appreciate those. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys after the big game next week.